Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Pastor Stephen. Thanks for joining me on the podcast today. How morning, are you? morning, sir. Great. Yeah, that's good. It's uh, it's a good day, almost a good day here. How's it back there? I would say the same thing. If you love rain, this is the year for you. <laughs> oh my lord! I saw some pictures. You guys got drenched yesterday after church for the parade. That was that was terrible. <laughs> so for those who I don't know, so bad. over parade. It was a downpour. A downpour. Oh my gosh. I honestly didn't walk the whole time because about halfway through, I bailed out and started walking to my car so I could meet my family at the parade end because <laughs> I was going to walk back to our car. And I'm like, we're not going to walk two miles back to the car in this downpour. So it was, it was horrible. Yeah, I felt bad seeing you guys as speak. So I was like, ouch. That's that's bad. And I just I don't ever think ahead, right? I just go from all right, what's next? And then I deal with it in the moment. Had I been thinking ahead, like it would have been nice to bring some ponchos. We did bring one umbrella, which I was pretty proud of myself for remembering that before church started. <laughs> but yeah, some ponchos would have been good. Yeah. Well, it happened. But yeah, it's a it's a Fairly good day here. So good. Cooler. <laughs> How was services yesterday in Bethlehem? Services was good. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have any new people. Uh, but yeah, things have been pretty good. Uh, seems like all the tech stuff is working perfectly after the switch. So <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, things have been good. Uh, we planned on a work day here. Uh, I I would like to clean out the whole front yard and the backyard. Mm. I gather some men around. So one of them are one of them is working right now outside. Oh, cool. So yeah, it's it's so bad, and I think people people think nothing is happening here because right. it's like so tall and so <laughs> that so i was like all right let's pound on that so few people are coming on wednesdays and you know so yeah that's happening so that's nice yeah that's terrific yeah so yeah things have been going well we're gonna be uh my my family is gonna be coming up to a service there this month i haven't figured out which week yet but nice Come to service, hang out, go get a Brazilian burger. From that <laughs> yeah, you got hooked up. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been. Uh, in, uh, in our message this week, talking off, talking about frame off restoration, this idea of taking a car and, you know, rebuilding it. Um, I just remembered just now a sermon illustration I had for this message that I didn't use. So maybe I'll use it for Sunday. 
I even write it down. Write it down. I wrote it down last week. I don't know where I wrote it down. Uh, I think it was down during the podcast. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, frame up restorations. We talked about the engine. The engine is obviously a key component of the car and a key part of a rebuild. It's, you know, I think I said it's where you spend the most money, it's where you spend the most time. And um, just, yeah, I just want to talk through that. Um, use the illustration of an engine to talk about for for like critical components of our spiritual growth or our spiritual engine. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I never, I, <laughs> I always say this. I like how you craft sermons. <laughs> it's, a, it's a unique gift. Like how do you even come up with these ideas? Uh, it must be God. <laughs> But yeah, talking through the engine, I never knew that it, it had like four hominids that like does that. Four strokes. Strokes, yeah. I never knew it. I was like, ah. So you... a two-stroke engine, like a dirt bike or a lawnmower, it only has two of those. So intake and fuel happens one time and then like come power, uh, power and exhaust. Like it happens, uh, it's combined. It just runs different. That's funny. I never knew. But I think, uh, uh, yeah, after service, we I had a good chat with one of the one of the people here, uh, talking through like uh, convictions and you know burden and trials and you know stuff like that. It was nice because I could tie up with what you have told already. Because I think you had mentioned the one of your points, uh, compression. Yeah. Uh, it was testing and trials, and it's not to take you down, you know, but it, it allows you to grow. And, uh, you know, it was nice to talk to this person. Like, this person has convictions, but, you know... I think it's hard for this person to get over that. So it lingers. Right. So it was nice to talk through that. And I think that's one of my, my takeaways from that. Like, uh, you know, our intake, it's all good, but like testing and trials and pressures is what makes you or breaks you. I right. feel like yep. uh, the rest is surrounding, like it supports that, but you know, how you, how you, uh, how you tackle your tests and trials that comes to you is something, uh, you know, that molds you as a person. Uh, so I think that was, that was nice to know. You know? Yeah, I think that's true. Right. Even just saying that, like, I wish I could re-preach the message because I would have added in some stuff just based on what you said. But yeah, without the without the compression stroke, compression stroke, without the the pressure and the ignition, nothing else and the none of the other strokes really matter. Um, right. Because if you're not having ignition, uh, then or if you're not compressing it, there is no there will be no ignition. I think that's 
just really, really important. And I think that is really, I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard that before. I certainly have never taught it before today. I've always said like trials and testings increase our faith, you know, preach those scriptures, but to have it as a critical part of our spiritual growth. I've never communicated before, but what, but I, but it's right there in scripture. The scripture I read was Acts 14, 22, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Right. And it was like, you know, obviously that, that scripture came to life in this message in a way that I've, that I've never read it before. Yeah. And you touched based on this, uh, this idea about hardships, you know, and, uh, uh, I would like to get, uh, get deep in, into that. Like a lot of people don't have, like a lot of people, you know, even you brought it up in your sermon, why does a good God does bad things? Or why is, if God is so good, why is bad things happen? You know, that's, that's a concept uh, a lot of people miss, you know, or even like they don't even want to learn what is the real thing about that. Can you talk more about about that like all right if so maybe it can be a conversation because as christians we are to be a good witness to other people right we talk about we we teach about it on stage we encourage our our people who's attending to be a good witness in their workplaces and stuff like that so uh, how can you navigate if somebody who's an unbeliever that comes to you uh wearing a normal hat, not a pastor hat, and uh, asking you, hey, can you explain why bad things happen if there is a good God? Like you go to church, you you pray to God, and why does this happen? And can you pound on that for, the, for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of conversations in what you just said. Uh, I think that question, why does God allow bad things to happen, is maybe a little bit different question than I was hitting in the message. In the message, I was hitting, if I'm serving God, why did bad things happen to me if I was doing everything right? So let's hit both. So if, uh, if I'm working at Pizza Hut, which I have before, and someone comes up to me and say, why does God let bad things happen? That's a conversation of, you know, well, there's evil in the world. Well, why doesn't God stop it? Well, he's going to stop it. And... And then talking about Jesus and talking about that gospel message. I'm always going to bring it to that. And then something that, that I say a lot is, or, you know, that as bad as this world is, it's way better than hell will be. As good as this world is, it's far less as good as heaven will be. Mm. and trying to help people. And I think something I've said before too is that for people who are... The bad things that happen in this world remind us we don't belong here. We're temporary. We're passing through. We sing the hallway song. It's the hallway that we're passing through to everlasting life. So Mm. that's another part of it. Now for 
the part in the message that I was talking through is, you know, it's like people come before God and like, God, how could you let this happen? I go to church every week and I tithe every week and now my child dies or now my spouse dies or now you didn't mm-hmm. heal this person or I lost my job or, and they begin. And the thing about those types of trials are maybe it shows us that our faith wasn't actually in God. Maybe our faith was in our good works because all of a sudden when we're coming out and saying, but I went to church, but I read my Bible, but I memorized Bible verses, but I tithe, but I served, but I, then what you're showing is maybe actually your faith has been in those things and the things you've been doing and not actually in the God who saved you. And that type of, when those things come out of your mouth, it can really begin to show you, oh, wait a minute, I am putting my faith in the wrong thing. And if you reject Jesus and walk away from Jesus at that point, then you you failed that test because you're testing, again, it wasn't in faith. It, your faith wasn't in him. It was in your religious works. And it was a question that I asked at the beginning of the, at the beginning of the message, which I really, really liked. And I hope people were comp- like were processing it. Why have a religious life that doesn't lead to everlasting life? Mm, you can yeah. do you can do the paint and the rims and the you know, but no, but never go anywhere. Not have an actual spiritual life. You only have religious activity. And religion and a, a spiritual life, everlasting life and a relationship with Jesus is so much deeper, so much mm. more fun than just doing religious activity. Mm. Yeah, good one. I, lo- I love that question. It's, it's a deep question, you know. Uh, yeah, it, it's yeah, a good question. A, did you ever ever have a time of testing that you failed and you had to t- do a retake <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah god's grace right we don't just sometimes we fail tests but we realize it and we come back to him we can start over it like peter who denied jesus three times yeah and but then what does jesus do the first time he sees him he cooks some breakfast and he gives him an opportunity another test an opportunity to come back and he and he right. does and the best part about about all that is even he knew he would betray, right? And so, so many times, so many times, like, it's our doubting on God that keeps us away. Like, God knows he's, he's there. He's there, always there with us and helping and guiding through the process. And I think when we uh, get tested and when we get our trials and, and pressures off this world, I think we, we forget or our surrounding who, and it's important, like, you know, you take the story of Job, like, you know, his friends, right? His people around him, was the people who was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta betray, you know, you gotta, uh, you know, you, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing this to, to your God, you know, like you should, you should, you know, 
lay back, you know, stuff like that. And it's important, like, especially when you're tested, you got to be surrounded with the right people in your life. Uh, godly people uh, who praise and who who believes what you believe, you know, and it's important. And, and that's why, like, we, uh, like, tell people, hey, come to church. You got to have a church family with you. You got to have, yes, you can, you can be at home and, you know, things like that. But when you are tested, when you're in your trials, there won't be people who are supporting you because, they're not in part of your life. And I think it's important um, like to know that, hey, God is with you, even in your testing, even in, in, in your bad and good times. God's always there. And, and as you said, it's not, it shouldn't be a checklist. All right, God, what the heck? Like I preach four times, five times, 52 times, and yet... Like, what the heck? Or like, hey, I've been running small groups for 40, 40 years. You know, no, it's, but hey, God, you know, I know these things will mold me to be a better Christian and better leader or whatever that may look like. And yeah, that's. Can you think of a test that you passed? Like, can you think of a time that you went through a test and. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a kind of like a backstory of how I ended up in restoration church. Uh, my wife was pregnant with our firstborn and, uh, I was given 10 days to leave the country. Uh, and she was nine months pregnant and she, so she couldn't travel with me. And it was like a chaos. It was the, the test. <laughs> It was yeah. the test, the trials, the pressures, everything was like on one time. And I remember just fasting and praying. Oh, you mentioned this. You mentioned this fasting and praying. I was just fasting and praying and didn't know what to do. Like, I honestly didn't know what to do. And uh, it was just right then, like, your name dropped in my heart. Right? And at that point, we never talked. We never spoke. We never knew each other. Yeah, sure. I had shaken your hand, I think, at some event. At like when I showed up at the college. Yeah, like, that was it. We were friends on Facebook, even without knowing each other that much. That's it, you know. And uh, honestly, you know, being in a being in a you know country that we never lived in, uh, you know, everything is brand new people are new culture is new and uh, it was only trusting god in those trials and that you know putting that faith in jesus putting those you know things and fasting and praying allowed us to overcome that you know test yeah it was intense but even in those intense moments god will show us a way if your if your eyes are open for that you know like you know, he dropped your name. We, I connected with you, and now I'm being part of Restoration Church. You know, so I think that was that was one of the tests. You know, that I think I, I can boldly say I passed. Um, but yeah. just intent. Yeah, that's great. That's good. Thing through, yeah. For me, I think about when I was. Tw- when I was 21 
and I got fired from that church in Texas. Mm. And the test, I, I think ultimately looking back, the test was, uh, do you love ministry or do you love me? Mm. And there's a lot, there are a lot of people who get fired from a ministry position and never go back, never do ministry again. Like I think Pastor Jeremy talked about his dad a couple a couple weeks ago in this series. Um, his dad, or did he talk about it on the podcast? I, I think podcast maybe on the podcast. And so um, that happened to happened to him. I, it happened to my dad. Um, uh, my dad was like a volunteer pastor, teaching elder at a church and associate pastor, and the church imploded. And my net, my dad never did ministry in that role again. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I've had to let people go from the church before who, I mean, I think a pastor position is a little bit different, but up in a pastor position, um, mm-hmm. never did ministry again. I think, I think it's different. Like if you're having an assignment for, for, for a season, um, but definitely the the person I was thinking about, you know, they moved, they moved away and they never did it again. Mm. That's, uh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. And I think that those are, I think those are tests that can be for sure. Right. And like how, what, if you go back and think through those tests and trials, what what have you done to overcome that and maybe give some uh encouragements like what would you do differently now um well i remember i remember because the youth pastor and i both got fired and i remember being at his house and he had a he had a like an eight-week-old baby and a wife, I was just a single guy. So the stakes were higher for him. He had more pressure on him than I had on me. But I remember it was like three days later after he got fired, him saying, I don't know if I'll ever go in ministry again. And I was like, are you for real? Right. How, I, and I, in my mind, like I remember asking him and talking to him about it, like, how could you, why would you let this situation keep you from ministry again? And he eventually did for a little while. He's not in ministry now. But I never thought that. Mm-hmm. I never thought that. I love Jesus. I love his church. Right. And so, all right. I worked for one bad guy. Mm-hmm. Fine. I've had other bad experiences, you know, even at Restoration Church. But it never caused me to question Jesus or the call he had on my life. Mm-hmm. You know, other things have caused me to question that, but but not these bad experiences. Yeah. I don't know. I just have always known these people aren't Jesus, and right. not every church, and not every church is going to act right. Like if Restoration Church turned on me, and I think I've said this before, but it would be painful. It would be very hard. I it would take me a while to heal, but I would do ministry again. It's right. Too- that's the assignment on my life. Yeah. Um, so I think having, I think if I'm doing religious activity, 
Mm. I'm going to bail on that pretty quick. Why am I doing this? This is a waste of my time. Right. But when it's about eternal life and it's focused on eternity, not that you don't ever, I mean, you, you cry, you mourn, you struggle, yeah. you get counseling. And not that it's easy. Testing and trials are hard work. But you count it all joy. Right. And and look through look through Jesus' life and the ministry of, you know, Paul, the disciples, all did they they all went through trials. You know, they all went through uh hardships really really hard, good hardship even like Stephen stoned to death you know but we never we never read that they gave up on on anything you know uh, like giving up on the call in their life the purpose in their life mm-hmm. uh, like there will be times right there will be times where we all face that uh you know i've i've faced that uh, i'm sure pastor you have faced that but you know i like what he said it's not it's not the church or the people that put the install the calling in your life you know it's it's the focus of jesus and the burden for people and the eternal life for them and for us and uh I think that's that's what a lot of people miss that eternal life thing. Uh, they just live a mediocre life here, and you know, and just do good stuff, uh, impress people, or you know, impress God with good deeds, and you know, really miss on the eternal focus and the burden for other people. And uh, yeah, that's good stuff. Mm. So when we are intaking the word and when we're going through trials and testing, it creates spiritual activity. It creates action. It creates movement. It creates um, a big reaction. Mm -hmm. And, And so we are then active in our Christian life. Right. So what happens is if we never have any tests or trials, we really become apathetic, lethargic, lethargic Christian. We never share our faith. We never defend our faith. We don't study our Bible because we are never asked questions about the Bible. We, and it just becomes very, you know, and I think you end up fighting about the wrong things instead of fighting against powers and principalities and spiritual forces you fight about church ministries and who said what and colors of the building and where you see where you're seated and you end up fighting about stupid things um the roles you know the leaderships um I think I just thought about this, even like, how does a car get built, right? Uh, even, even they do a testing for the cars to see if the seats are, the airbags are getting, uh, you know, getting out, 
or all the all the seats are you know in the right position when the impact was done and they certify the car that way never uh not any companies that produces car that eliminates that portion of the thing like yeah you can have good fuel good air good everything but if the testing if that that testing portion is out of equation then it's not safety right yeah it's the same thing like if our intake of the word of god uh our our intake of that spiritual aspect of that lifestyle is not there in our lives we are not we are in danger pretty much uh because if we are not doing that then the compression will not act right like uh that when we get tested we are not we don't know where to go we'll run run away from god because the word of god is not in us uh you know you know you talked about the power um instead of producing you know, the godly character and the godly stuff when we go through the uh pain we our anger comes out our our bitterness or like mm-hmm. our anger towards the pastor selfishness yeah selfishness and all that comes out because the word of god the intake is not there and we ourselves we put ourselves in danger because we don't do that i think that's that's important that we put ourselves in the test like hey are we really in the word when these comes are what are what is our mouth speaking is it speaking life or is it speaking uh death you know and i think i learned that i learned that perspective uh, i knew about it but i've seen a couple of times that you intentionally doing it like uh there were times that you were going through stuff but you will you will speak differently uh and i i really like i'm learning that intentionally in my life like when my wife go through things i will encourage her hey i know you're going through things but let's shift that perspective hey i know things are not the way that i wanted bethlehem but hey let's shift our focus and speak life because uh you know god is not a god of negative emotions or yeah he accepts it but it's not like yeah it's always defeat it's always defeat right you you got to add in the uh the truth the truth and the faith to the conversation so <clears throat> yeah it's uh hey we're going through a hard financial time but we know god did all these miracles in the past so we know he's lining up another miracle for the future we don't know when it's going to come but we'll be faithful we keep praying and it doesn't take away from where you are right now but it's again but it's just realigning yourself to to god and his word yeah your to, your life should be an example 
you know, your life should produce the action of how, what you're intaking it. Right. Right. Uh, I think it's important to like, you know, if you're in the word, your life will reflect. The, the thing that I always communicate, I always, when I was growing up, I always thought that the fruit of the Holy Spirit meant like some people have apples, some people have oranges, some people have joy, some people have self-control. That's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But I remember preaching on it one time and just the revelation coming. Like if you're li- living life in the Spirit, you have all those fruit active simultaneously. So if mm-hmm. you're like, I have joy, but I don't have patience. Well, then you don't have fruit. You have a tendency or you have a, you have a personality. You're a yeah. joyful person, but, you're, but you have no self-control. So that's just you're a joyful person. That's what you're doing on your own strength, not what you can do according to life in the spirit. And yeah, we... Yeah, I like that what you said. If you're if you're in the spirit, you should have all those. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like an option. Those yeah. are the things he gives you. It's not like spiritual gifts where I've given each of you one. I've given each of you one fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's not right. But that's how yeah. I always thought about it growing up and how I heard people talk about it. Right. Yeah. It's real good in this area, but not so good crop in this area. Well, that's because you're actually not living in the spirit. Right. And so I know when I'm being impatient with my kids, um, like I know, okay, okay, I, I'm, I, I've got some uh, soil work or some fertilization work to do. Right. I've stopped operating in the spirit. But when I'm operating in the spirit or, or, or I'm living in the spirit, I can have all those fruit going on even when even on a 20 20 hour road trip with the kids <laughs> <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah that i, I like that uh, the, he, like even me growing up i i have a different i had a different perspective of that he, like pastor's teaching you know you should you can only have one or like it's an option or God will only give one effort. But yeah, if you're in the spirit, you attain all that thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. Profound moment. Yeah. Anything <laughs> you want to talk about confession and repentance? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the first step, right? Uh, you know, coming to God, uh, opening, opening your heart. Uh, and that's what I told that other, other person, Hey, uh, you being in that state of, uh, of like conviction is good. You know, it should happen in your life. Convictions are good. Convictions are God saying, Hey, you know, I love you. You're doing this. Come back to me. It's not something that God wants to beat you up, but he has given you a chance to confess what you did and to repent and to come back to him because he loves us because he cares for us. And uh, a lot of people miss that, you know, uh, you know, even growing up, I was like, Oh, uh, all right. I'll just say sorry to God. And that should be it. 
So what do I do? I go and say, God, all right, you know what I did, right? Because you know everything. So, all right, uh, I love you. Thank you. Yeah. But it was, there was no real, like, confession or, or right. like, real genuine repentance. And I think uh, that that should be the go-to place where we seek after his face. Like, hey, God, I I did behave this way with my kids. I I, I asked forgiveness. I, I confessed that through my mouth. And uh, forgive me, God with a genuine heart, you know, and, uh, that's where the healing process starts, I believe. Right. I think, uh, you know, if my kids come and they're like, dad, I'm sorry. Well, I'll often respond with what are you, are sorry for what? And then they'll respond with something that, you know, or like a, a girlfriend or, or a family member. I'm sorry. You're sorry. What are you sorry for? Oh, I'm sorry you got mad. <laughs> I'm like, well, so you know, you're this not right. And so we're like, hey, God, hey, I'm sorry that I sinned. All right, well, what'd you do that was sin? I don't know. I, mu I must have had a bad thought. Probably I had a bad thought. And right. meanwhile, all day we've been gossiping, slandering, complaining, and we're mm -hmm. not even, we're not actually owning up to any of our sin. Right. And and you brought James chapter five sixteen, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has a great power and produces wonderful results. So there's a lot in just that, you know, uh, verse confessing your sins to each other. Uh, like if you have that kind of friend or a partner, do it but confessing should be through your mouth. Yeah. You know, you cannot just be silent and just be in your mind as, yeah, all right, God, but it should be coming through your mouth. Uh, and what does that do? That's the best part. When you confess, it should produce wonderful results. Yeah. You know, so there is always... There's, as I said, there's always a way that God shows, hey, if you do this, if you abide, if you walk, if you, if you trust me, if you put your faith, I will have things for you. I'll have an abundance of life that he has for you, for us. And all, all we need to do is just take that step. You know, every time it just comes back to us, hey, because God is is not going to push everything, uh, everything in your life, right? He's a just God. He's, he's a righteous God. He, he wants us to take responsibilities of what we do, you know? Um, so yeah, I think confession and repentance go hand in hand and have to, have to be an everyday process in our lives. It's not just one time. I think it should happen every single day before you go to bed. Reflect on your day and just, you know, ask sorry, confess, repent, and have a brand new day. Yeah.
my my two bonus points. I was just hitting real quick were uh, install a turbo, like to to add fasting to your, your yeah, system. and then uh, adding NOS nitrous oxide nitrous oxide. But I felt like that was limited, I, and I really like maybe bore over like to to put in bigger cylinders and uh, increase the engine displacement and adding that to being the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So we mentioned baptism of the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks yeah. in a row. I just trying to always communicate it in a way that people want it and they don't feel forced. They don't yeah. feel like they, yeah, they don't feel forced that they can pursue it at their own and really that they want to pursue it. So they don't accidentally get in a service and then they're like trying to fit in. No, right. no, you don't, you, you don't have to, God offers it to you. And I hope that we talk about it enough in a, in a positive way that'll break any church or cultural baggage. And you'll sit in your prayer closet with your Bible open and say, Jesus, if you want to baptize me in the Holy spirit, I receive it. And we just are brave enough and excited enough to pray that prayer. And yeah. whether it happens the first time or we pray that prayer for 30 years, we just, again, there's no, I think sometimes people pray for it for too long and then they give up. It's like, well, guess God doesn't want me to have it. I'm like, no, just yeah. come back again to that sweet spirit. God, if you want me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, I'll receive him. I'll receive right. That, that baptism and no matter how long you have to pray it to mm. receive it with an open and joyful heart right yeah and when you have the holy spirit he guides us he teaches us he corrects us he uh, you know speaks to us in a way that we never uh heard him speak you know and uh uh yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a needed component component in our spiritual life you know you gotta uh like you can live life in a in a way that not having the holy spirit but as you said it's a it's a supercharge <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a tuning it, it it just increases the horsepower in your spiritual life and you can run up and down the drag strip doing 15 second quarter miles or right. you can run 10 second quarter miles with because you've received the baptism of the holy spirit it doesn't make you better doesn't make you worse if you haven't had it god's just saying like hey i can do some i can do some work here you know i'm kind of an expert at spiritual engines right. if you let me get in and do some tinkering I can I can really uh, add some horsepower here, and we just gotta trust him as the great, the mechanic above all mechanics. Heck yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, oh, he, mechanic. I mean, he he's greater than Shelby. He's greater than Chip Foose. He's greater than I mean any other car guy. I can't. Yeah. yeah. And we got to allow that, allow him to work on us. Yeah. You know, uh, if you shut that door, then he's no good, even though he's the best. 
even though, you know, he's superior over everything. If you don't allow, if you don't go to his garage, (laughs) then I don't think he, he will force tune our car and, uh, change our tires and change, put the oil forcefully. No, you gotta, gotta go, gotta go to that place. And that starts from us. We need to have that heart to be open for whatever he wants to do. Oh, uh, open to the testing and the trials that we go through and allow God to minister to us in that way. And also, uh, also open to the intake. What does the word of God speak to us? Read the word and let that minister to us in, in those ways. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Stephen, do you have any book recommendations? Yikes. Uh, Did you say yikes? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that means that's like a, a bad vacation, Like I just surprised you. Oh. Uh. Like if I was like, Stephen, you just preached on stage with your fly down. You'd be like, yikes. <laughs> oh boy. I don't know why I said that really <laughs> ugly person is going to try to kiss you. Yikes! That's what that means. Steven, do you have a book recommendation? Yikes! Yikes! <laughs> oh, uh, no, not on top of my head. I have two. One I recommended before, Tortured for Christ by Richard Wormbrand. So it just talks about testing. Uh, he, was, he was just brutalized, arrested and brutalized, tortured for Jesus, for being a follower of Jesus. The other one is a giving book, The Treasure Principle, except Randy Alcorn talks in his testimony, talks through his testimony in that. And he um, he had all of his assets dripped from him by an unjust judge. And oh. still and then still gave and trusted God. And I think we're talking about going through trials and testing. I think Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn is a great book to increase our faith and our perseverance. I just came to know there's a movie, Torture for Christ. Oh, yeah. I don't remember if I've watched that before. I think this this is going to be our weekend movie. (laughs) (laughs) I just Google it. It is like, uh, yeah, an hour and a half movie. When was it made? 2018. So based on a true story. Huh. That's nice. It's good to watch. Good reviews. All right. There you go. Mr. Pastor, great to talk with you. Great Thanks to see you in podcast crew. See you on Sunday and we'll be finishing out this series. Yeah. Love you all. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.